so yes, I, I, I think we have the same experience that we will keep a lot of what we learned. Um, we had to be more flexible. I think that's a really good insight. You know, it, it pushed people to be more flexible. Sorry for saying sorry. Media presents the Per Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hi, this is Dr. Susan Little. Hello, and this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, and this is the Fur Podcast. Now, that was one of the smoother intros, I thought. Yes, because you were in time. I was. I was ready. Mm -hmm. I didn't rush it. You were well prepared. I was prepared. I thought that was one of the better ones. Do you have a little piece of paper that says, hello, I'm Dr. Susan Little, so you can kind of <laughs> get an estimation of what you need to say? Yeah, maybe I should. I need yeah. a little like teleprompter. <laughs> Hello. No, I think I, I think you have Ben in the background saying <laughs> you're throwing those paper show. Hello, I'm Dr. Susan yes. Little. Yeah, yeah oh. that's it. That's it. Dr. Susan. Yes. Very happy to see you. Yes, because it's the only way we ever get to see each other anymore. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. But we're focusing on the end of the pandemic. Everybody being vaccinated. You know, Canada is speeding up. So soon everybody will be vaccinated and you know hopefully this awful virus will tone down a little bit but we have a special guest we do we do somebody that um, we're very excited to have on with us because she's so much fun to talk with she definitely is and before we introduce her i would like to thank uh, dr kelly saint denis oh yes we should thank kelly yes, yes. because kelly she did such our, an awesome job she's our guest host um, and uh, during the pandemic, um, a few times she's mm -hmm. stepped in for me because mm -hmm. uh, running two veterinary hospitals during a pandemic is easily the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life, besides have two children. Other than that, you know, <laughs> and multiple dogs. And multiple well, no, dogs. it's really, it, it's up there. Yes. So um, Dr. Kelly has stepped in uh, multiple times for me. And I know you're in good hands when. Kelly is our guest host. She did an awesome job and she was both the guest host and the guest of honor last time, which was new <laughs> because we did the, the hot cat news one. Oh, you and did? Yeah, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. So we, we talked about flying cats, which, uh, which okay. is a great topic. But uh, who do we have? So we have Dr. Caitlin DeWild with us, who some people might know as the social DVM, right? Ooh. Yeah. So welcome, Caitlin. Thank you for having me. I am a longtime listener, first time guest. Very excited to be here. You know, I was thinking about that this morning and I was trying to think, have we never had Caitlin on? Like no, I No, we haven't. Yeah. So you know, it's if you'd a ask me, big mistake on our side. Yeah. yeah, if you'd asked me yeah. this morning, I would have said, sure, we've had Caitlin on. Like Yes, multiple times. Yeah, I would have said that. I know. Yeah, but we didn't. Well, yeah. Okay, I'm here now and I'm super <laughs> you are. Uh, We're I'm, so excited. I know. It's going to be great. So I have the first question um, and that uh, pertains to your last name. Mm, tricky. Oh. Because I have a tricky last name too and nobody is able to pronounce it right. So you have uh, a tricky we'll give first you. Name. <laughs> I have, oh, yeah. I have a tricky first and last name. So in Kansas is Jolly Kirpenstigen. 
Yes, that is the correct Midwestern uh, pronunciation. pronunciation. I yes. can I can attest to that. Yes, jolly cup and stitching. Uh, so I I kind of abbreviated to Joe Kirk when I go to Starbucks. It's always Joe because I gave Just up. Joe, yes. Just Joe, yes. That, I gave up. I don't even have a, a hard first name, but I still do. I say Kate every time because I just, they're like Kaylee, Caitlin, Callan, Caitlin, Kate. It's fine. Yeah. K. <laughs> I just so uh, the full pronunciation for our uh, wonderful listeners. So the Midwestern pronunciation uh, is Caitlin DeWild. So oh. I know Dr. Dr. Little said it a little bit different, but technically she's not wrong either. Mm. So. Oh. So you get it both ways. So my uh, my family is from Belgium, and but there it was actually Van de Vilde. So they took out the van when they came to the U.S. and uh, became Americanized as De Wild. So, but it gets pronounced all kinds of different ways. But uh, not as fun as when I was in college when people would just say it's about to get De Wild in here. So that's the the reason that I I stick with the American pronunciation. <laughs> Okay, I'll we're have to all going that. to be the wild during this podcast. <laughs> I, I someday I, I may still do it, but I always thought it would be cool to have the wild animal hospital. Also, Ooh, so, I would be, but I, I think it would be even cooler if you have a verb named after you. You know, make it a verb. It's, you know, let's. That's a great idea. This is my <laughs> 2021 goal. I need to get more people Excellent. using. Wild as a verb. <laughs> just just give us the definition so we can use it in the correct way right okay i'm gonna have to think about it a little bit there's so many possibilities but I, I just I'll, I'll be sure to let you know we can put it in the show notes later yes absolutely yeah. and 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 caitlin you do a lot you are a practice owner uh but no, you no 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 don't give me too much credit not an I owner i thought you were I I was a oh, little bit. You were a practice owner. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, got it. <laughs> I just okay. don't want anyone listening to this that knows that to be like, wait a minute. Because <laughs> <laughs> honestly, ownership, as Dr. Little said, like that is a beast in and of itself. And mm -hmm. I want to give credit where credit is due. So I cannot take credit for that at the moment. <laughs> so with uh, uh, to prevent more mistakes that I make. Can you describe <laughs> what you do? <laughs> I think you were you were definitely on the right track. I just don't want to, uh, you know, I want to be respectful. Um, so I, I am a practicing veterinarian. I do still practice um, for two different clinics. Excuse me now. And uh, I own a company called The Social DVM. So I work with uh, veterinarians and industry groups and other veterinary team members to figure out all the nerdy marketing stuff because I'm a big geek. That's about it. You started your company quite a while ago, right? This is not a new company. No, yeah, I started yeah. it in 2013 and it really only became kind of my full-time passion uh, two or three years ago. So it's uh, it's definitely evolved over <laughs> over many years, including its, its function and its purpose and how much I was working on it versus in the practice and um but yeah now it's now it's my main passion although like i said i still like to be in practice not as much quite now <laughs> during the curbside era but um i do still miss it quite a bit so i i try to get in whenever i can that yeah that that is cool that's cool i think that we all are driven by passions but we also have a plate that gets quite full 
And so I can imagine that uh, that your plate is quite full too with with a practice shop and all the other stuff that you do because I see you everywhere. <laughs> that's that's a, a gift and a curse, I guess. <laughs> but I I like so many different things and I don't think that I would be happy just doing one thing all the time. I need a lot of variation and new projects and exciting things for me to to stay engaged and, and motivated. When I was just practicing, I went through a period of being like very negative, you know, there's, I'm sure you've met some vets out there that are like not happy that they made the decision to become a vet and not sure they would do it again. And, and I kind of was in that mindset for a little bit and then i thought well what don't i like about it i can't i can't complain about it if i'm not doing something different i can't i can't just be like this negative cynical person <laughs> so what do i not, what do i like what do i not like and how can i try to get closer to more of what i like and so that's how i ended up doing all the things that i'm doing at the moment <laughs> veterinary so medicine is really a big house right and there's lots of ways to be a vet and I, I feel like with younger vets that we don't emphasize that enough often, right? Like the goal often, you know, seems to be very um, single-minded. You know, you're going to go out, you get out and you're going to practice as a vet, but there's lots of ways to be a vet. Yeah. yeah, it's, you know, I feel like it was just drilled into us at such a young age that you climb this ladder that's very straight up and down, right? You you do vets, you know, grad school or, or get your undergrad degree and then you go to vet school and then you're an associate at one practice and then maybe you go to a second practice, but then you buy in or and that's it, right? Just straight up. And I like to compare my career to mo more like a jungle gym, right? You <laughs> kind of sometimes you go sideways a little bit, sometimes you go up, sometimes you go back down, sometimes you fall all the way off, like, and that's okay, but you get back on. But there's so many different things. And even now I'm, I'm interested in so many different aspects of vet med and and really i don't want to say that i'm not interested in traditional practice but there's just so many avenues to explore there that um i've certainly been trying to dabble my toes in a lot of them but i've i've found a lot of success and happiness doing that and it's it's just been the right path for me but certainly not for everybody but um definitely not what i expected when i graduated <laughs> at all i thought i would go back home to central illinois and be a beef practitioner and I would buy that practice and I would live and die in that town my whole life and end of story. And now I'm like, what are you talking about? No, no, none of that. So No beef, no beef no for beef. me. Yeah, <laughs> not at hmm. all. So, so I have a question for you because I think this is really interesting and, and, and I tend to do the same thing, take a lot of things and really like it, and but I add them on. I'm really diff I'm really bad in saying no to other things. So how do you do that then for yourself? How do you stop things? Uh, I, I wish I really had a great answer to this because mm. I, I don't, but oh. uh, because I'm, I've been guilty of not, right? Like mm. of maybe overextending and over committing, but um, I, I went to a, a few lectures uh, or a, a lot of lectures, right? I've on this topic, like how do you, choose happy? How do you not get overwhelmed? I've listened to lots of podcasts and things like that. But the one thing that stuck with me is really thinking about when you say yes to something, that means you have to say no to something else. Mm -hmm. And so 
luckily I have a family outside, right? And I have little kids and a husband who's not in vet med and does not get it at all, right? <laughs> and so, which is a good thing. Um, so I know that if I agree to something, that means I have to say no to them in some way, right? There's just not enough hours in the day. So that actually has been a very good balance for me that I can be like, well, now that they're they're starting, you know, they're, my kids are four and eight and uh, it, they're busy and they're, they're boys and they're crazy. Uh, much like the puppy we were talking about. I, I talk about that. I have like three puppies, just different, <laughs> that all need to go to daycare at some point, right? <laughs> but yeah. um, to run out their energy. But the reality is that crazy life is, I would work all the time. I'm a workaholic and I would happily work 80 hours a week. And, um, but then I'm like, oh, wait, they, they, I need to spend some yeah. time with them. <laughs> so I'm, I don't want to miss anything with them. So it's, I'm glad that I have that to ground me. Otherwise I would say yes to everything. <laughs> mm. I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point. So you need to find that, that thing that balances you, uh, mm. not to overdo things. No. Um, I'm getting a new puppy too. So maybe that's it. That's the answer <laughs> then, you know? Well, in your art, what about your art? Yeah. That's and my art and my art, but it's, it's interesting that you say that because my art, I can do my art only when I'm kind of depressed and alone and, you know, in this, so I'm a total extrovert, but when I do my art, I am completely introverted, which is so weird. And so the, I cannot just say, okay, I'm just going to paint something that is not working. So there needs, it needs to be in that mood thing. One way I can get that into that mood is when I play really sad classical music, for instance. Oh, I know so it sounds sad, eh? but it's it wonderful. It but, is what, so but the amazing. outcome is beautiful. So. Yeah, so that's the thing. So it's the, 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 I think it's the, you know, I think artists have this, this, there is on the edge thing you know so you go to the edge of your brain or wherever you normally not go oh, this is my safe space you know and, 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 but then i'm going to the space that i'm not so safe in and that edge and that's where the emotion comes up and that's where you get really nice nice work so yeah. um, so you, you do have to find those like the black and white like very mm -hmm. much like your background right now mm -hmm. right you got to find exactly. both, both sides of it what about you dr little what is oh your you know, um, so I'm not artistic at all. <laughs> um, in the don't summer, don't make her sing. Yeah, don't make me sing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there's a, a horrible story about a karaoke night in Tokyo that, yeah, we won't go there. Um, I'm excited. <laughs> so, in, you know, in the summer, um, I, I, I'm outdoors a lot. I really like to be outdoors. So, you know, whether it's running and, and walking are good for me to help me get out of the, the uh, being a practice owner and what weighs me down, especially during the pandemic, it's been really helpful for me to get out and about. And then gardening, you know, and especially if it means like moving a tree or building a wall, right? Something that's very physical because um, it uses a different part of your brain. And I, I think that's one of the things that, is important that you choose. So Yola chooses to go to the, his creative side. You know, you go to your mom and family side. I, was, I used to, my kids are older now, but you're in a different part of your brain, right? A different part of your emotion that works in a different way than when you're a veterinarian. And I think that's part of what gives you the break from it. Yeah, I think so too. 
Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And and Caitlin, you were talking a little bit about being in practice right now with curbside. How how has that changed your your practicing itself? I talked with Dr. Susan already quite a lot about you know how it has changed her practice uh, and, and obviously she has feline only practices but you also mentioned that you don't enjoy it as much oh, yeah. as the other way so can you give us some comments how you feel right now and are you ready to go back to the complete normal do you think it goes back to the complete normal yeah yeah i i yes and no is the answer to that like am i ready for it to go back yes and no right but I think, did I like it was no, but I think for me, um, personally, the thing that energizes me so much about, you know, veterinary medicine is not just the, the pets, it's the people too. And I really love working with the owners and, and I really love making those relationships and I really love helping, like, it's my goal to make all of them, like really understand the value of what we're doing and for them to really leave feeling like a great pet owner. And it's really hard to do that over the phone, right? And I also hate talking on the phone, uh, period. I'm not a phone talker. Don't ever leave me a voicemail, send me an email or a text. But, you know, I just, I just find that very challenging to have those relationships. And I didn't realize until COVID, um, until curbside, how much of that part of the relationship and that part of what we do i didn't i was missing i was like this is this is no fun like i only get to do deal with the animals and then of course you know from the my my tech part of my brain like the technology loving part i loved figuring out the workflows and like how are we going to do this and how can we make this better how can we facetime or how can we you know have communication still but that part I enjoyed getting it again, it was a new project, right? Getting it started. And then when I was really in it, I was like, God, I just, I just want these people to come in, you know? <laughs> so, but it was nice. I, I was in the office the other day and um, one of my clients is been a longtime client. The dog is 11 and I know we don't mention the D word on here. So this patient was 11 and I was so excited. Uh, she was like, I, I'm in the parking lot. Can you come out? I, I just want to see you. And I was like, so and she was like, I'm vaccinated. Are you, I, I'm sure you're vaccinated. Could could you just come out? I just I just want to see you. And I was like, this okay. But she's like, I haven't seen you in almost two years. And I was like, oh That's my strange. gosh, she's right. And she's like, I just, you know, I feel like, you know, we know you so well and you do so so much for our pet that, you know, we had that relationship and it was nice to see her. And yeah. so I, I think it's important for our clients and I think it's important for us to, to can try to get back to that. And, and it may not happen. Now, the, the good part that I'll go back to the, the yes and no answer, which is I think it forced us to change and be amenable to change. And I also think it forced us to be more flexible and considerate of options, right? So I, Yola and I could talk about and, and Dr. Little too, you know, you can, but like, um, the technology aspect of stuff is, is fascinating to me. Like target will send me a text message and says, your prescription is ready to refill before I run out of it. And it's like, literally type the letter C to confirm. We only need you to text us one letter and we'll, we'll fix this. Why can't we offer that same kind of convenience and technology for our patients? So I do think that COVID kind of made us do that. And I think some of that will stay, right? Some of the like 
check in from the curb. If you don't want to come in and wait in the lobby, you don't have to. You know, if you've got little kids or whatever, if you just want to do a drop off, like why is a drop off not an option, right? Like those things, I think there are parts of it that will stay. And I think that's really going to be better for the clients and to some degree us too. So that's the part of curbside I like, but the, the not seeing the, pay, the owners is, is not 90% of the owners is, yeah. has been sad. We've had exactly the same experience. You know, it's really pushed us to innovate. It's pushed us into technology that we kind of talked about like someday we, you know, or why can't we? And now all of a sudden we have to do it within the next, you know, seven days. So yeah, it, it was really a baptism by fire, but, but that's, I like those challenges. Um, so yes, I, I, I think we have the same experience that we will keep a lot of what we learned. Um, we had to be more flexible. I think that's a really good insight. You know, it, it pushed people to be more flexible. Um, one thing I've noticed, and, I, and I'd be interested just to hear if you've noticed it, Caitlin, is, you know, for the first, oh gosh, almost a year, well, not quite a year, let's say the first 10 months of the pandemic, I would see on social media that vets were really struggling with clients who were, you know, difficult um, they seemed to feel that like they were getting more and more difficult clients. And so for about 10 months, I was like, we're doing fine. Like we're doing okay. But in the last two or three months, it's just exponentially increasing. So I, I guess we finally hit that moment. And I think a lot of that is the lack of really face-to-face -face communication. It's just so much easier for things, you know, communication to go astray when it's not face-to-face. -face. So that, that's my take on it. It'd be interesting to see what you think. I, I would totally agree. I mean, I think the reason, you guys remember that game you played when your kids, that telephone game? Yeah. There's a reason that game is called telephone, right? Like, because there, we're losing something in translation every time it's communicated. So I think when we have thrown that into the mix of already dealing with people who are um, strapped for time, strapped for money, strapped for emotional bandwidth, and or have a new puppy that they are like overwhelmed with, I, I'm just saying it could happen. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think when we get people, if they're not there for wellness, right, they're there because their pet is sick or something scary is happening for their pet. And then we add in not clear expectations because what, what is it this week? Are you curbside or you're not, you know, um, that's a frustration and that's going to lead to heightened emotions, heightened responses. And, and I, I agree, you know, in the beginning, we didn't have too much trouble too, but I think it's because we were overkill on this is what you should expect. This is what we can offer. Like we just hammered it in on every possible medium that we could get to our clients so that they knew what to expect exactly. We were like, we know it sucks, but this is what it is, right? Um, but yeah, I think people are kind of just done in general right now. And I think that's that's a problem. You know, something that happened to us actually just two weeks ago. So the I live in St. Louis City, um, which the city is surrounded by the metropolitan area, which is St. Louis County, right? So we have clients from both, but the rules are different in the city and the county. And when the city finally decided that they would open, they literally announced it for 24 hours later. So then we had all these 
people that knew from the city were like, well, we're supposed to be opening, like every everything is open now, but we have patients booked out five and six weeks, right? And we have a staff that's used to something and we have to, you can't expect somebody to completely change all their scheduling and all their protocols in 24 hours, right? So we're like, well, we're gonna need a month right, to yeah. work through the patients that are scheduled with this expect, excuse me, with this expectation as opposed to, <laughs> sorry guys, uh, as opposed to then saying, okay, well, you can come right in, right? We need some time to change our protocols, change our signage, change our website, change the phone message, change the text, change the history form. Now we have to have different cleaning protocol. Like all of that stuff doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. But So that's, I think that's led to some just recent developments on the anchor level. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, think, I, 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 I conceive that we're probably headed to that too. And and if you you multiply that by five or six, like so over the course of the more than a year pandemic now, like we've had these shifts back and forth, back and forth, you know, at least where I practice, right? We've been open, uh, we've been not open, we've been urgent care only, we've been everything. It's been, you know, all over the place. Um, and I, I think as we hopefully transition back to some type of allowing clients in the practice, that's going to be its own challenges. From an owner's perspective, I think that it is curbside is so much more transactional. Um, mm. And I, I, I realized this because yesterday I brought the D of my mother-in-law to the Fed. And so you have to drive there and it's Florida, so it's freaking hot. Um, you have to drive there and then you have to wait in your car with the D that is really nervous, then their person is coming. And the first thing the person says is that it's going to cost this much. Uh, then you have to hand over the D to that person uh, who runs away. You don't hear anything. Then the person comes back, tells you, this is what we did. This is the bill. Can I have your credit card? Gives the dog back and that's it. You know, it's not that you have this time to reflect and and so you're also, um, as, as, as an owner, you're, if, if you're not really clear in your, your communication is even more important in this kind of situation than, than when you are face-to-face -face with the person. I think that's why it's what I call transactional. So it's like you give something, you get something, and that's it. And, and you're still loaded with questions. And right. I'm a vet, because at a certain point, I'd have to tell her that, you know, I'm a vet, so right. you can tone things down a little bit or you can just tell me what what is wrong but there's they were so in this transaction mode and not in this people mode that's that's the thing and i think that is tiring too yeah that's i'm sure you've have you had dave nickel on your podcast we that's have you? okay i assume i, I, I can't remember Did if we? episode <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. as you know, he he has has his own podcast as well, but he always preaches on people like to do business with people that they know, like, and trust. And how can these people, especially all these people that got these new puppies, I know again, or, mm -hmm. or kittens, but how mm -hmm. are they going to, they don't know us, they don't yeah. like us, and they certainly can't trust us. You know, we, we even had a bad review because um, our, our building, we covered not covered the signs, but we had the blinds down so that our sign that was like text us was more visible. But people were like, there's no windows. You can't even see what, what's going on back there. And then again, we're in the Midwest, so it's cold. You know, in the winter it was awful because we'd 
send somebody out in a parka with their hood up and they have a mask on and then we're like give me your dog you know and run away like mm-hmm. of course these people are like into the building that they can't see into of course these people don't know like and trust us so of course they're going to be more willing to not be their best nicest self i guess we are at 25 minutes so we have to cut it off i know this is going so fast this is crazy uh we'll be back next week though with the, the the do you have a nice cliffhanger for next week oh does Caitlin. Caitlin have a cliffhanger? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So that, that just to keep people on their edge. What are we going to talk about? I think we should talk about cats. Oh, there you go. excellent. That's an excellent cliffhanger. Right meow. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about cats next week. But no, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Caitlin. This has been uh, really, really good. As a matter of fact, I think we're going to talk about tech and cats. So how can we talk with uh, cat owners and tech? And how did you do that in your clinic? And and maybe a little social media too, because you are the social DVM. <laughs> Happy you to know? Yes. Great. Okay, Dr. Susan, do you want to take it? Okay, um, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> so um, if you like our podcast, uh, please be sure to give us a, uh, a good review because it makes us happy for sure. Because, um, you know, we, we don't get paid for this, so smiles work. And uh, it also helps other people find us. Uh, make sure you check out our website. It's perpodcast.net. And there's a listing of all of our episodes and all of our guests. And you can listen directly from our website or in any uh, podcast app that you like to use. Yeah, be the wild by our podcast. <laughs> you know? <laughs> It, it's got it yeah and i'm so excited because we will be the world next week too with dr caitlin the so thank you so much dr caitlin for being on thanks for having me dr susan little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat only hospitals in ottawa canada she is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks the cat clinical medicine and management and August, consultations in feline internal medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs. And you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatVetSusan. Dr. Yurla Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVETSX. This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against Struvites in Pets Facebook page. Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks, 
with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove screw-bite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page, at Per Podcast. 